Hey everybody, Scotty here from Bivalence. And before tonight's episode starts, Nick and I want to give a huge thanks to Vista Blue for coming up with our awesome banger of a theme song. We are so stoked that they took the time to do that for us, and we are so grateful for them. And I hope you enjoy tonight's episode. Thank you all. Come on, let's go, it's time for another show, and we're going to tune in, cause we just can't wait. We're gonna have a chat, relax, maybe listen to some tracks, but the fans had a really great ass last. It's the Ambivalence Podcast. It's the Ambivalence Podcast. It's the Ambivalence Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Bivalence, number 50. Uh, I'm Scott. And I still have COVID. <laughs> and joining us is a super, super honor to have on our show. It's fucking Johnny Puke. Uh, this is this is amazing. This is this is out of the world cool. Johnny, thanks so much for being here. Of course. How is everybody doing tonight on this Tuesday? Uh, I'm alive. <laughs> I am exhausted. I have had a very bizarre couple of days and. I need to sleep for like two days to even sort of uh, recover from all of it. Yeah, my Sharon. Well, the last couple of days I've had a buddy stay over, and that buddy is HR from the Bad Brains, and oh, he can be so joyful and pleasant, but also so exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> I saw, yeah, I saw you post something about yours. Uh, two pairs of pants. Yeah, he wears, he wears a um, a pair of like Adidas, uh, like warm up pants, and then okay. a pair of dress slacks over those. So the warm up <laughs> pants come out the bottom, like you know, almost like uh, I don't know. They sort of billow around his shoes, right? Like a like a Clydesdale or something, <laughs> and. Um, you know what I quickly learned, like just by going to the grocery store and stuff, is that he keeps his wallet in the inside pants. So if you go to the grocery store and the woman goes, "Well, that'll be twenty-two dollars," the first thing he does in line at the grocery store is just unzip his zipper and drop his pants. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! That gets quite a reaction, as you can imagine. Um, so a couple of times when we were places, I just paid for stuff because I wanted to <laughs> spare myself and other people the experience of seeing this crazy looking dude try to take his pants off in the store. I can't imagine. Oh, man, that's it's, funny. It's like that saying, you know, uh, where's my wallet and my other pair of pants? They were, in fact, in his other pair of pants. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we, we went. I had to get... Uh, Next to the grocery store is a Petco. Do you know what Petco is? Like a big giant? Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. So I had to get this special fat cat food that I can only get there. So I'm like, H, do you, do you mind coming in with me to this pet store? And he's like, yes. So <laughs> we go into the pet store and he has a dog, right? So he decides to buy this small bag of like dog treats to take home to his dog when he gets home. So I'm buying this like 50 pound bag of like cat food. He has this little $6 pouch of dog treats and <laughs> I pay for mine. And now I'm waiting for him to pay for his. And he says that he reaches into his jacket 
pulls out this little book and he says to the woman, do you take chicks? <laughs> <laughs> and the woman wasn't even sure if they did or not because they <laughs> fight check, you know? Sure. So the, the woman asked the manager and it turns out, yes, they do. So then he writes this check. Now we're standing up here for like 10 minutes. <laughs> he writes this check. They try to put it through the machine. The machine won't take it. And finally, I'm like, here's my card. Just let me pay for the $7 dog treats. You know, <laughs> right? getting ridiculous. But the guy is like traveling around the United States trying to pay for common everyday things with a check. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've heard stories. Uh, he's definitely an interesting guy. He can be so wise and spot on one minute. And you're like, that is one of the most profound things I've ever heard. And then the next minute, we'll say something totally crazy or at least completely unexpected. Like, for example, he was talking about my car. He said he liked my car. And I was like, hmm, do you have a car, HR? And I was hoping he would say no, because he has no business. <laughs> he has no business having a car. And he goes, yes. And so, so, of course, I asked the, the next logical question you would ask somebody, which is, what kind of car? Because I'm curious, you know? I mean, I, I, I'm curious what kind of car does HR drive, you know? Sure. And I was like, so what kind of car? And as if this was a proper answer to that question, he goes, a sedan. <laughs> I love your impersonation of him. <laughs> and that it's was it. That, there, I got no further answer. I can tell you what kind of car he drives. It's a sedan. <laughs> oh, so man. Just stuff like that, you know. Uh, yeah, that's. That's crazy. I, I can only imagine what it'd be like hanging out with him for a couple days. Well, he drank me out of two boxes of hot tea. Two bags of, like, I guess, what, 40 tea bags or something in two nights? Oh my and God. my house still smells like weed, of course. <laughs> oh, man. Wow. That is funny. So, obviously, so I'm exhausted. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> All right. Well, this is uh, this isn't about HR tonight. It's about you. So uh, okay. we got some, uh, well, a good handful of questions lined up. Usually we just kind of wing these, but uh, I wanted to be a little more prepared tonight. So I guess my first question would be is, how did Cletus come to be? Like, how did you guys meet? How did you guys decide to start a band, et cetera, et cetera? Well, it really, it really all started with Gigi Allen dying in my apartment in New York, and I got kicked out, and that was the time to leave New York, you know? Uh, sure. That, that was the perfect ending of my time there. Uh, so, I needed somewhere to live, and I didn't really have a lot of money, and... My parents had this beach house outside of Charleston, South Carolina. So I could move there for a few months um, until I got back on my feet and then eventually moved into like Charleston proper. So that's why I moved to Charleston. And then 
immediately I, I met a couple of musicians and, you know, we all wanted to get a band together. And sure. one of those people was Kevin Louie, our first guitar player on the first two records. And uh, we became good friends and decided that we had, you know, uh, a lot of musical tastes in common. And he played guitar exactly the way I wanted somebody to play guitar. Um, and so we decided we'd start our own band. And the idea that Kevin and I had, which is funny, is we want to start a band that sounds like The Descendants meets The Dickies. Sure. Uh, that was our idea. Now, I don't, I think there are hints of both of those bands in what Cletus do, but I don't really think we sound like The Descendants or The Dickies, but that was the blueprint that we gave ourselves, you know. Cool. That was how it started. That was 94. And we got some guys together and I sort of went over what I was looking for out of this band, which was I wanted this to be the band that really worked hard, you know. So I yes. wanted everybody who was going to be in it to be committed to five years of touring and, you know, like the stuff that we did. I was really influenced by Black Flag and their work ethic which is just basically play yourself to death which is what we did um sure but thankfully i found a group of guys that were just as committed as i was and were really willing to i mean play and tour until it almost killed us you know uh yeah that was that was the idea and i think we came pretty close to fulfilling all of those original goals you know definitely yeah you guys have a uh, such a unique sound uh i kind of couldn't really compare it to anybody but now that you say descendants and dickies i kind of I, I definitely see it now well particularly after we got kevin's little brother chris in the band you can make a much more obvious descendants in all comparison because his bass lines are so amazing and very much in that Carl Alvarez sort of bass, you know. Yeah, world, definitely. Especially on Horseplay, you know. Which is probably one of my favorite albums of all time. And I think I think Scott would agree with that. Yeah, easily. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. And uh it it was really cool to to see that released uh finally on vinyl. That's awesome. That was that made my that made my fucking year. It was awesome to see. Well, um, I, I still don't have one. <laughs> I'm still oh, waiting funny. for mine. Um, what? So I haven't heard it at all. And I mean, it was remastered, so I'm dying to hear what it sounds like. But yeah, now that they've been trickling into people, a couple of people have brought them into the bar and, you know, asked me to sign them. So I've seen it and I've held it in my hands, but it's always been somebody else's record that they just wanted me to sign. I haven't heard one. And I'm sure I'm just last in line because he wants to get out to, you know, people that actually paid for it. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm anxious to get one. I'm glad you like it. Uh, I'm so curious to hear what it sounds like because I've never had a record like remastered before, you know, and Mass did the remastering. The guy who produced all three of our full links. Oh, awesome. While he was in the process of moving to Rome which is one of the things that I think held the whole thing up. 
sure. you know, it was held up a lot for different reasons. But I think that was one of the first challenges was trying to get Mass to do it in his time when he wasn't trying to move across the world. <laughs> right. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. So how how did that come to be? Did uh like how did how did you guys come together and decide to re-release it, remaster it? I did that uh, podcast that Nate from Hey Pizza does, uh, the Dummy Room. Sure, love and it. We talked. Uh, they, yeah, we talked Sorry. a lot about horseplay, and it was after that podcast that he reached out and said, "You know, that never came out on vinyl. We do reissues." And he'd worked with Teen Idols, who are my good friends and old tour mates of ours. And so, of course, I trusted him, and I'm like, "Sure," but it ended up taking him two years. Not his fault, but I. I I know that it was very frustrating for him. He ran into a lot of roadblocks. and But it was oh, his sure. idea. And, um, you know, I'm thrilled that it happened. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I, I don't have a copy yet either. But I, I intend on getting it soon, hopefully. <laughs> I even signed somebody's uh, test pressing the other day. You know? <laughs> I certainly oh, didn't man. see that. You know, I don't, I, I don't have one of these myself, but here you go. Right. <laughs> Oh man, but yeah, no, that I, I that's like I said, it's one of my favorite albums, so I can't wait to get my hands on it. Well, you know, every every musician thinks the last thing they recorded is the best thing they ever recorded, you know. Sure. And obviously, I will say to this day that it's it's definitely the best Cletus release ever. I like some songs on the older records, maybe a little more. Uh, but we were a much more mature band and our sound had gotten so much better over the years um, that that's the best and most accurate sort of representation of what the band sounded like in our day, you know? Sure. So I guess that leads me to my next question. And you probably, I, I, don't, I think I already know the answer, but is there any hope of Cletus ever recording anything new? I I really don't think so. Um, that is not to say that I wouldn't like to do Cletus type music again. Sure, and I sure. I still play with Scott Price, our drummer, for the whole time we were a band. I'm in a country band now, and Scott is my drummer. So I like to tell people that he's been looking at the back of my ass for like 25 years, <laughs> which is 100 percent true. But, you know, both of the Louis brothers have passed away now. And almost like I, I can't see there being a Foo Fighters without Taylor, you know, like. Sure. I can't really see any legitimate form of Cletus that doesn't have a Louis brother in it. And they're both gone, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I would still love to do that kind of music again. And I'm not ever closing the door to that. And like I said, I will. If I had another pop punk band like that, I would certainly work with Scott. I want to work with him as my drummer for any band I'm in for the rest of my life. Absolutely. But I don't think we would call or consider it Cletus. You know. Sure. Sorry, that's just Scott's rocket ship taking off again. Okay. Oh my! That's my furnace. <laughs> I apologize. I'm in the basement. It happens get, every episode. <laughs> I got a little one who needs to sleep, and I'm just too loud. So, 
Fine with down you. down in the dungeon. <laughs> so hey, speaking of that, do you have any kids? I'm sure I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a I just love that answer. There's no. There's it, no caught, it caught me off guard. I'll say that. Yeah, there's no truth to that, but I just like that answer. <laughs> Stops us in our tracks. There's nothing to say after you say that. Yeah, I don't even know what to say. That's not going to make it uncomfortable. <laughs> okay. You walked right into it. I'm, I, I, oh. I've been waiting my whole life for somebody to ask me that on a podcast. <laughs> just take it out of uh, the back pocket yeah that's a pretty common question on this podcast so <laughs> worked out perfect well now you've got it now you have an original answer <laughs> is that a yes or no <laughs> i'm sure uh, where do i, I, I go cat, from here? and she's looking at me right now well obviously you know that because me and hr had to go buy special fat cat food for her <laughs> That's true. <laughs> what what is special fat cat food? Oh, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> Are you familiar with the actor Dick Van Patten? I am. Yes. He was in a lot of 70s and 80s television. He was the dad on Eight is Enough, right? Kind of a bald sure. guy. Character actor. Um don't, I'm, none of this makes any sense to me, and I love stuff that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> but for no reason at all, Dick Van Patten, who I don't think of as particularly fat, nor do I associate him with cats in any way. As far as I know, <laughs> he wasn't on a cat television show. Or, for some reason, Dick Van Patten makes a line of dried food for fat cats. And it is called Dick Van Patten's Food for Fat Cats. That is awesome. And if it doesn't make any sense to me at all. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> Dale Earnhardt, uh, you know, laundry soap or something. It's like, what? <laughs> like, it's just that it's incongruous, right? It's, it's, I, but anyway, that's what H and I bought the other day was a... 50 pound bag of Dick Van Patten's fat cat food. Huh. <laughs> I would definitely I, I would buy that too. Yeah, low calorie diet for overweight cats. Yeah. I wonder if he makes dog yeah. food. I don't look uh, into that. I don't know. But that's... I was shopping in the cat section. They they would they weren't side by side. <laughs> oh. I'm gonna have to look into that. I think my dog would love it. Well, it's a real thing. And I, I, I think Dick Van Patten is long dead. Yeah, none of it makes any sense. No matter how you try to wrap your mind around it. He may be gone, but his cat food lives on forever. But his cat fat, like, <laughs> he, he lives on in the bellies of overweight felines all over this great place. So fucking weird. Yeah. You can't make this stuff up. I, I know, I know. That's bizarre. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> so uh, where where did the name Cletus come from? Well, that's funny. Um, a lot of people assume that it's because we're like somehow just like love The Simpsons, right? Sure. And 
I do really appreciate The Simpsons. I'm not a nutty fan or anything. But I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that we predated the character Cletus, the slack-jawed yokel on The Simpsons. Definitely was not what we were thinking when we named the band that. What we were thinking of, we're a southern band. We wanted to have t-shirts with like sort of a gas station work shirt kind of logo, which that's what our logo was sort of designed after. Mm-hmm. Like sure. the guy who would fill your tires and change your oil kind of thing. And then Cletus was a deputy on the television show, The Dukes of Hazard. And oh. he was the one that always drove the sheriff's car into the lake. Okay, and, yeah, I remember that. And one of the deputies, every time he'd drive it into the lake, he'd be sinking, and, you know, the, the deputy would be standing on the shore and go, Damn, Cletus! You know that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. I never knew that. I'm glad I asked. So you say you're in a country band. How did you take the turn from, like, doing pop punk into the country scene? Well, I've always loved country music. I was raised in West Virginia, and... Cletus in particular, we really enjoyed a lot of Hank Williams and George Jones when we were in the van. Because if you tour as much as we do, you hear so much punk rock. And and kids give you cassettes and, and CDs every night. You have so much punk rock music in the vehicle, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But that's the last thing you... Three weeks into a tour, the last thing you want to hear when you're in the van is is punk rock because that's what you're going to hear all night long you know so sure. i think a lot of bands listen to either totally opposite music than they play or they go the talk radio route or and of course this was all before satellite radio that sort of thing so mostly we just wanted to listen to the kind of music that we weren't going to be surrounded with for the largest part of our day mm-hmm. so we became big fans of hank williams and George Jones, I'm a George Jones nut. And uh, Scotty loved that too. So it was only a natural progression when I started my first country band about 95 that Scott would play in it too. So for a while I had a country band while Cletus was going. But this is a newer, well, newer band. We've been together about seven years. But this band is called Johnny and the Broken Hearts. And we have the full setup like pedal steel player, you know. Um, oh, nice. The, we have the Buck Owens outfits. I have an outfit that matches the rest of the band's outfits. And, like, it's a, it's like going to a honky-tonk somewhere in Texas in, like, 1969, you know. That's awesome. That's the vibe, yeah. Yeah, I def- I'm into that stuff. I, I never heard of you guys, so I'm definitely have to check this out. Well, we don't do any original music, right? So, um Okay. All you'll find is like stuff on YouTube or Facebook and it's us doing, you know, a Merle Haggard song or whatever. Um, Oh, okay. And this band will never tour because everybody's in other bands. And I mean, we really only play now like once or twice a year. Sure. We're playing again January 7th at the Tin Roof in Charleston. Um, but it's a fun night. We do the whole big show, right? So it's like three hours of music. It's a full old school country review, you know? Oh, wow. Oh, that's really awesome. It's a lot of fun. I get a lot out of it. And um, 
you know, it's a part of my musical heritage as well. And I, I love George Jones with the same heartbeat that I love Milo Ackerman. You know, uh, sure. Both are legends in in my eyes. You know, absolutely. So. Are you into any of uh, like the newer like folk stuff that comes out? Have you heard of like Benjamin Todd or any anybody like that? No. Oh. I almost wanted to say like HR new. New. You should look into some of those those uh, artists. They're really good. Uh, Benjamin Todd is one of my personal favorites. He does really like classic style country. There's so many people out there. I mean, I will tell you, like, I love Austin Lucas's voice. Like, it's like, there's no tomorrow. Like, I think he's great, and his voice is haunting and and recalls some of the great individual voices of American country music, you know, like Johnny Cash or Merle Haggard. Or when you hear that voice, you know exactly, Buck Owens, you know exactly who that is. Sure. And Austin Lucas is, is uh, one of those guys. And of course, the Lucero, you know, Ben from Lucero has an amazing voice. And there's no mistaking who that is when that record comes on, no matter what, you know. Sure. So I like some newer stuff, but I wouldn't, I don't think I like anything that's new country. I don't even like the word new country, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, everything we do is pre probably 1975 or or earlier you know okay so classic honky-tonk stuff yeah yeah that's really cool um have you ever found like a a conflict between like punk rock and and being into both and doing both not really and locally what what's been great is especially with my first country band which is called sin city we would get a very unique crowd because we had older people that knew we were a decent country band and just wanted to come and have that experience. But sure. then we had kids that were into Cletus and stuff that heard that I had this other act. And so they would come to the shows too, which made them so unique and different because it was a great mix of young and old and a, a great mix of, you know, younger punk rock kids and older folk and country people, you know. Um, so in my unique experience, it's been great because I've been able to have people who like both bands come to the same shows, you know. Yeah, uh, but really, sure. honestly, the only difference is between being in a, a cover band and being in an original band like Cletus, when, when Scott and I had Sin City gigs, which were all country covers, and then we'd go out on tour with Cletus, it was so funny because the best money night we would ever get with Cletus back then was maybe $750 or something like that. We could play the shittiest punk, uh, country gig at a local bar and get like $1,500, you know. Wow. So, <laughs> oh, wow. For, for like... <laughs> By the way, the $750 gig would be like in Columbus, and there'd literally be like 700 people there. The $1,500 country gig, there'd be 50 people there, none of whom paid a cover. And the bar or whatever just gave us the $1,500. There's a huge difference between being in a cover band and being in an original band. And the difference is 
the original band just never gets the money that you know it's like the difference between playing a wedding and playing a regular gig mm-hmm. all of a sudden yeah. a band <laughs> plays a wedding they're worth three times as much as they're worth otherwise you know right uh, that's that's really interesting so you been. might you may hate me for asking this question i'm gonna ask it um have you ever turned a cletus song country at one of your shows no no um no, and just because I'm probably not a good enough musician to tell my country guys how to reinterpret it, you know what I mean? It'd be okay. different if I went try an A here and a G or what, but I'm not that good. Okay. <laughs> you know okay. what I mean? No, that's yeah. that's 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 fine. I was just I was curious because you said that when you have a crowd that loves both, I'm like, well, maybe we can put them together. So. <laughs> So how how did you get into punk rock? Well, I was a kid in West Virginia. And the first time I ever even heard about punk rock was from the CBS Evening News with Walter Cronkite. Honestly, and he was doing a report. This must have been about 77 or so. And I was a little kid. And it was just a news report. So it was less than a minute long. And it was about the Sex Pistols and the bands in England. And it showed a little bit of the Pistols and the kids pogoing. And I was fascinated. I was already a big music fan, first of all. Sure. Uh, Ever since I was a little kid, I was a big music fan. And the weirder stuff was, the more into it I was. Like, I remember seeing Tiny Tim a lot on TV when I was a kid and going, that guy's fascinating, you know? Oh, yeah. And the punk rock thing hit me in the same way going i need to know more about this you know so slowly i was able to find some articles here and there about punk scenes happening around the country when like rolling stone and kind of you know mainstream publications and then i discovered fanzines this local record store in charleston had all these fanzines And so I could buy those and see pictures and show reviews and learn about bands. And all of those fanzines back then had ads and just about everybody had a seven inch out and they were all $2 and 50 cents postpaid. So I just stopped eating lunch at school because I got $2 and 50 cents every day for lunch at school. And I would just, wait until I got home and then I'd eat stuff for, you know, my afternoon snack was actually my, my lunch. And every day I sent away for it. I just put the cash in an envelope, two quarters, $2 and mailed them away to Ian Mackay and to the guys in poison idea and, you know, on and on SST and on and on and on and just started getting all these records. And with the records often would come, letters from the singer of mdc or you know that sort of thing so then i started getting into corresponding with all of these people and stuff and it became sort of a overwhelming hobby and then by by luck my parents decided they were going to send me away to a quaker school outside of dc in 1981 so Oh, wow. They sent me to the 
one of the most interesting burgeoning scenes in American hardcore right at its heyday, you know, which is where I first met H that year, you know, Henry Rollins introduced me and H and now we're still friends to this day. Talk about right place, right time. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm totally the Forrest Gump of punk rock. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. So let me guess, that's that's uh, probably where the nickname came from then, huh? Around that time. Actually, that's you would assume that, um, which isn't true. Uh, I didn't become Johnny Puke until I went to college. And I was just talking to this guy before you called. But my first big band in college that did anything was called Stinky Finger. And uh, yeah. And so we decided we were all going to have ridiculous names. And there was two singers. The other singer was my buddy, Ugly, who I just talked with for an hour. So we're still very good friends. So I named him Ugly, and he named me Johnny Puke. And uh, it really didn't have anything to do with throwing up or anything else. We just thought it was kind of a somewhat funny sort of tongue-in-cheek. Going to be in a punk band, you got to have a punk name. Uh, oh, sure. <laughs> And it just stuck. And then the more I did in punk rock and the more I would start to go home with bands or with spoken word or anytime I came through West Virginia, there would sometimes be press. And more than once or twice, they may have used like my real name, you know. Sure. And my dad was a lawyer and my mom was a school teacher. And by the time I started doing spoken word touring and I was playing like universities and stuff in West Virginia, my mom, I'd call my mom and I'd be like, well, I'm going to be home for like a day or two. And she'd go, son, no press. Because <laughs> they didn't want their name, you know, associated with all this. Sure. So the Johnny Puke thing became like my sort of guarded and protected name because I wanted to protect my parents from all of my punk rock debauchery and they made sure. it clear that they liked it that way. So <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So when you did spoken word, you, you did it as Johnny Puke. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And uh, I, I, I don't know much about that. Um, so how, how did you get into that doing spoken word? Really, it was between Stinky Finger breaking up and. I moved to New York, but I hadn't quite joined my next band, which was called Let's Patrol, which is kind of a legendary New York band. Um, And to tell you the truth, I just didn't want to stop working, but I didn't have a band or a set or four guys. So I found that like for a year or two, it was other people were starting to do spoken word, you know, and I actually was able to tour for like a year or two, like just doing that. Me and a, a buddy who would sell merch and help drive. And so I didn't work for like those two years. We just did gigs and somehow, I mean, on almost no budget, but we somehow made all that work. Sure. And, you know, that's where I did like the, I did the whole My Brain Hurts tour with like Screeching Weasel. And, and uh, so, you know, I actually achieved some stuff during that time. And that's, of course, how we became lifelong friends. And I still talk to Jughead all the time. Yeah, we, we had him on uh, several months ago. He's a super nice guy. 
And he has stories for days. And oh, yeah. He has such a good heart. And unlike anybody else that's been in punk rock as long as we have, and especially unlike his singer Ben, he's not jaded after all these years. You know, he just still has positive things to say about the scene and his contribution to it and the people that are still in it. I don't believe Ben feels that way at all, you know. <laughs> yeah. But Jughead just has a, a, a warm and open heart. And he's a great musician, but man, most people have been playing his style of punk rock for 30 years or more mm-hmm. are a lot more grisly than he is, you know? Sure. Yeah, he, he was an absolute joy to talk to. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, we also had uh, Vapid on the show as well. And I love Vapid, and he's definitely the most talented person that's ever been in, in Screeching Weasel. Like, he can write so many different kind of songs, and oh, he, he's just, great. he just does it like he's building a bird box, you know what I mean? Like, it's just nothing for him. It's just, oh, I just here, I built this thing. Enjoy it, you know? <laughs> but yeah. he's a lot more quiet, and not as outgoing as Jughead. Like, Vap is actually pretty retiring, really, you know? I mean, he's a nice guy, and he'll talk to you, you know? But he's not the most verbose person, you know what I mean? Like, he, sure. Jughead will, just has such a great command of... Of course, he writes books, you know, but such a great command of language and an enjoyment of speech and the way you tell a story and... He's very different to interact with them, Vapid. Yeah, for sure. So, what are your, what are you like, what are your hobbies, Johnny? What are you, what are you like doing? You know, when you're not doing your country scene, or how do you like, how do you like to relax and, you know, do what do you do for fun? Well, I still go out to my folks' beach house sometimes. Um, I really enjoy crabbing out there. Um, I do a decent amount of crabbing. Um, and then, um, you know, I bought this house here in Charleston about three or four years ago. So I'm constantly trying to do something in the house. Today we were removing, you know, HR still here and there's, there's <laughs> tree guys. And we had a hurricane like two weeks ago and I had trees too big for me to remove them by myself. Holy smokes. So like today we had guys. You know, HR's in here, like, filling my house full of pot smoke at nine in the morning. <laughs> and there's chainsaws outside, you know, cutting up uh, wood. And so the house isn't a hobby, but it certainly takes up a lot of time, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. Understood. We, uh, My wife and I have been in our house for a little, a little well, under a year. And, uh, yeah, we was a fixture upper for sure. It was like a 1980s time cap so that we just did everything, gutted it, and started fresh. So... Yeah, I'm a. I know a housework goes. It's never ending. Yeah. So, so where is your house? Where do you live? Oh, I live in Indiana. Yeah, what Indiana. Town? Uh, well, it's considered Crown Point. It's uh about an hour south of Chicago. We used to play so many shows in really small towns in Indiana and really small towns in Illinois because. When we would record, I wanted the band to be able to eat in the week that we were there recording. So Mm -hmm. we would only record until seven at night. 
and then we would drive somewhere close, somewhere a couple of hours from Lafayette, Indiana, where Mass was. Yeah. And do a show every night and then come back to there, go to bed, wake up and record in the morning. So we played Muncie, Indiana, Bloomington, Indiana. Oh, yeah. Normal yeah. Illinois, you know, just like Charleston, Illinois. Like, I was all constantly. And the same thing goes for, you know, we were on Johan's face out of Chicago. So sometimes we go to the Johan's house for like a week and we do two Chicago shows a week apart. But then we'd stay at the house in Chicago the label had, and we'd go to little Illinois shows every night and then come back, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure Bloomington and Munchie were fun being college towns. I bet those were great times. Those were fun. Um, but, I mean, man, we played some small-ass towns. Like, one time we played in this town called Olney, Illinois, which is famous as for being home of the white squirrel and sure enough there's a park in downtown only illinois and the park is full of white squirrels uh i don't know it's so weird don't ask, don't ask me but that's what made that town famous uh, home of the white squirrel uh, that's, that's really odd i uh, i've never been to the midwest um, I actually am currently in Florida. So, what part? Uh, I am in Claremont. It's just outside of Orlando. All right. Yeah, but I. Have a I lot uh, Go on. Um, I was just gonna say I actually uh, grew up in Tampa Bay area, though. But yeah, I have a lot of Tampa experience. I used to do a lot of spoken word gigs with the Pink Lincolns out of Tampa. Oh yeah, yeah. And for a while, when I was doing acting stuff, I had an acting job where I would live a couple of months out of the year in Clearwater, Florida, right outside of Tampa. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's my neck of the woods, or where it used to be anyway. <laughs> yeah. clear. Uh, I would drive over the bridge at night and go see shows in, in Tampa um, because that theater job was a children's theater job. So I only worked from like eight in the morning to like three in the afternoon, like a school teacher. Oh, okay. And then at night I was free to go see ministry yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Tampa always had a pretty uh, interesting scene. It well, changed the, a lot, but these were the days when Ebor city was just kind of starting up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, Ebor Ebor is pretty dangerous nowadays. Yeah, well, this was when it was mostly just abandoned cigar warehouses and a few little clubs had sprung up, you know. Okay. Yeah, it's 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 definitely changed a lot in Ebor. There's a there's a really cool uh, scene in Tampa now, though. There's a lot of different interesting bands. Is the Brass Mug still around? Is that where people oh, do yeah. shows? Yeah, Brass Mug is still super popular. Yep. I have been there more times than I can count. And then for no bands, but for drinking, we would always go to a bar in the middle of downtown called The Hub. Okay, yeah. And The Hub I... was like a mixture of like homeless people and like <laughs> hipsters. And I mean, it was a very strange mix of, of folks. Yeah, not not too much has changed, I guess. Yeah. 
but yeah, no, I, uh, I, I recently moved back to Florida. I left uh, to go up to Connecticut for a while, and then I came back. I couldn't, couldn't hack the cold. So. I hate the cold as well, which is one of the reasons I'll never leave Charleston. But I love Florida, man. I have so many good friends in bands and in the music industry from Gainesville. And oh, Gaines, Gainesville's great. When I walk the streets of Gainesville, it's, I just know everybody. It's so weird because I don't live there. I've never lived there, you know. Sure. But I've toured with a lot of bands from there, and I'm close with a lot of bands from there. So a lot of people know me, you know, that way. And, like, literally, if I, if I go to Gainesville and I walk down, like, University Avenue, I will run into somebody I know on every single block. And I've never lived there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I love Gainesville. I actually was uh, there. Actually, that's where I got COVID, I think. Uh, I went to a fest just, just one day, but uh, it was it was a great time. I love going to Gainesville. It's a cool place. I went last year. I hadn't gone for many years because I used to go all the time to fest. Sure. But because people know me and know that I have a place in Charleston, which is on the way to and from fest, after I started working at my bar, which was 12 years ago, all of my friends just started calling me going, oh, we're coming through. Can we have this date? So our fest has become like 10 days long. Oh, man. <laughs> oh nice. <laughs> so, you know, I, I needed to run those shows. They were all my friends' bands. So I literally just worked myself out of being able to go, you know? Mm-hmm. Sure. But, uh, off and on, I tour managed this guy named John Snodgrass. And... Last year, he asked me if I would do a little stint with him to the fest and back. And I ran it through my boss and she said, you know, I could leave. And so I went back last year for the first time in God knows how long. But because I was working, you know, for Snodgrass and uh, sure. God, it was so much fun. It's changed so much. They have open container in Gainesville now. Oh, yeah. And that used to be what got everybody arrested at fests, you know? Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> now that's not even an issue anymore. And I mean, you it's, know, it was... it's really an uh, incredible time. I've, I've been to fests a shitload of times too. But uh, it's like you said, it has changed a lot. It's just gotten better and better. Well, for example, the last fest I went to was shortly before they built and added the Bo Diddley Plaza to the fest. Oh, okay. So back when I went, there was no outdoor shows, period. And definitely not a space that freaking big, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and that sort of changed the game, um, which impressed me to no end. It's a beautiful facility they built there, and it's big and comfortable. And yeah. that was not there the last time I, you know, the last fest I'd been to. Sure. So that actually brings up a good question. Uh, what's your favorite show you've ever been to? Favorite band you ever saw? Wow. You know, that's a really, really difficult question. Um, you know, I have a couple of live shows that I remember that just really were great. Ministry was one. Uh, a show I saw in Tampa one time was is in my top five, which was KC and the Sunshine Band. Oh, oh yeah, that's awesome. 
Well, it was in Tampa, right? So he, which is where they're from. So sure. he had all of these musicians that I don't think he could afford to take on a real tour. And the okay. Super Bowl was in Tampa that weekend. This was 30 years ago uh, or 20 some, whatever. So he had like a full horn section and like fat black women singing backups. And like, there was like 16 people on the stage, you know? And I saw him in Vegas like a few years later when there was like three people on stage because that's how he can afford to tour, you know? Sure. But this live show, you could hear the horns in the club outside of the PA, you know what I mean? You could just hear the brassy sound of the horns natural in the room. And it was really something. And they're not one of my favorite bands at all, you know what I mean? And really, honestly, I'm not a big ministry fan. Sure. But I happened to catch a show that really spoke to me that night, you know, and they were just really on it. Um, so those are those are two. But, yeah. you know, SNFU, Bad Brains, some of the best live bands I've ever seen, all because of the, the, the front person, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I wish I could give you a very singular answer, but I, I, I mean, I really couldn't. I, I would imagine. I mean, I've seen, you know, probably nowhere near as many shows as you, and I can't even really answer that question. So I get it, definitely. And it changes all the time, you know, like uh, early Dead Kennedys or Black Flag, when I would see that was so moving to me. But now that I'm older, I don't necessarily say that was the best show I ever saw because all shows sounded like shit when there was Bad Brains and Dead Kennedys and Minor Threat. Like there was yeah. no there was no club with a good PA. No club that would let those bands play had a good PA, you know. Sure. Um, and yeah, those were transformative and life-changing shows. But, you know, that's a heavy moniker to put on it. Best live show you ever saw. So I have to mark them off the list because amazing performance, probably shitty sound. Yeah. Right? And because I was such a fan of all those bands, I wasn't really hearing the Dead Kennedys playing in that room. I was hearing the record in my head and I was responding energetically to the band. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What about shows that you personally play? Is there a favorite show that comes to mind that you played when you were on tour? I, is, that, you know, is that difficult too? It is, but yeah. like the first time Cletus played, it's, and we played at CBGB's probably four times, but the first time we played there, it was magic and i played there a bunch before with my new york band uh let's patrol but to see the guys in my band and, and, and that were guys from charleston and i'm like join this adventure with me here's a few things that i promise you you know we're gonna work really hard we're mm -hmm. gonna be on either johan space or lookout i'm gonna try to make sure we're on both which i did and uh I'm just like, join me and I promise you're going to do stuff you've never done. And part of that promise was, you know, playing a legendary place like Al's Bar in L.A. where all of the where Black Flag and all the bands we liked had come up and playing CBGB's in New York where more bands that we liked had come up. And 
And I was like, I'll make you this promise. We'll do all this. We got to work really hard to get there, but we're going to get there. Mm-hmm. And when we did that, it was very satisfying, you know. Absolutely. That's so what's, uh, what's one piece of advice you wish you had when you played a start? Get a credit card. <laughs> <laughs> and I waited too late. And, I mean, I could have bailed us out of a lot of situations you know, breakdowns and things like that. If, if we would have had like a fucking credit card, you know, mm-hmm. sure. Uh, and it's weird to be 27 years old and not be able to rent a video at Blockbuster back then, you know, <laughs> because if you didn't have a credit card, you weren't getting a fucking Blockbuster card. Yeah. And that's a very small uh, example, but right. The bigger example is you're broke down at the side of the road. Get a fucking hotel room. You need a credit card, you know? Yep. Yeah, I uh, like I said, I learned the hard way that with the whole credit thing, too. I, I have terrible credit right now. I'm still working on it. Yeah, I should have got one of those cards in college. And, of course, they tell you not to because they're it's sort of a trap. The trick is get the fucking card in college, but use it responsibly or don't use it at all. Just establish your credit. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't do that. Well, you hear that, younger listeners? Get a credit card. (laughs) But use it freaking responsibly. Especially if you're touring in a band, in a shitty old van that's (laughs) going to leave you stranded in places. There's there's just no doubt that that's going to happen, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, of course, all of our touring was before cell phones. So if we broke down, you just had to send a band member to walk to the closest exit and hope there was a pay phone or a gas station. or Because that's that's it. You know, other than that, you'll just be sitting by the side of the road. Oh, yeah. 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 God, it's amazing how shit has changed. <laughs> I mean, we didn't have, you know, GPS. Every, every... Uh, directions to each show were go by the quickie mart turn left and go down you know like like just handwritten directions on a book in the van and of course all the punk clubs were obviously in the worst parts of every town you know sure and so you'd get lost a lot or they'd be fucked up directions sometimes we didn't even know where the club was we just get into town like in albuquerque and look up record stores in the yellow pages and we'd go to the record store and be like hey where are we playing (laughs) that's how you'd find out where you're playing in that town (laughs) that's funny so uh what's a state that you guys haven't played in that you wish you had uh there's only two alaska and hawaii so you you've played all every other state yep wow that's crazy Well, it was five years, and like I said, we worked like dogs. We did two 90-day tours every year. Then we did smaller tours in between there. And then we do a winter mini tour to Indiana every year to do an album. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we worked hard. There was never a year in those five that we didn't do less than 250 shows a year, you know. Yeah, that's that's crazy. I don't think I could. I don't think I could hack that. <laughs> it was but it must, hard, but we were young and we were determined, and we had the energy and the stick to itiveness. 
And of course, a lot of times you've got to be a coach and a counselor to keep everything together and keep people from losing their mind, you know? Oh, sure. But, um, yeah, it was, it was not something that bands do today. And it was not the best for our health physically or mentally, but sure. you know, the, all the bands that I respected worked like military units. Black flag is the best example. And I wanted to see if I could hack and if I could make some achievements using that blueprint that bands like DOA and Black Flag had set and Bad Brains had set for us, you know. Mm-hmm. So sure. I followed that path of the people that I admired. That's awesome. It definitely, I mean, it paid off for sure because you've got fans like all over the world and you guys really, uh, made an impact on me at least <laughs> well that's I, good uh, to hear and i mean you know obviously we're talking today because of everything that we did in the 90s so it <laughs> some impact absolutely actually i can recall the the very first time i heard you guys was actually in a uh bmx video and oh was, um jay prozac yep <laughs> yeah actually i i uh i grew up half of my childhood in Massachusetts in the same neck of the woods with him. So uh, you, you can thank him for me being a fan, technically. <laughs> was that called Props? Uh, no, that Props was uh, BMX videos, but the one that uh, the song was in was uh, shit, uh, Bad Reputation. All right. Yeah, and it was the song When, I, when I'm Gone. And right. I heard that song, and I... I saw your band name and everything but this was you know back in the early days before internet was like super big and you could find music on it easily i searched so fucking far and wide to find your guys music after that it took me several years to finally find a cleta cd in a cd shop and it uh, it wasn't even uh it wasn't even on that album i think it i'm not sure which album i did get but yeah it was uh a very very good memory i have the first time i heard that song was fucking nuts i i absolutely fell in love with your music so you can well, uh, give, give a thanks to jay prozac for that well yeah that's nice to hear um you know that song is particularly meaningful to me because that was my sort of obituary for kevin louie our guitar player who we lost before that album was recorded sure that was me putting myself in sort of his shoes and saying, you know, I gave my life for this band and I worked really hard and I want you to remember the joyful moments and why I did this the last half decade of my life, you know what I mean? And how fulfilling it was and how I think Kevin certainly made a big impact on a lot of people. Oh, that's awesome circle then it made a big impact on me so and now you had to wait two years to get your repressing <laughs> totally worth it though <laughs> totally worth it yeah I'm, I mean, I actually, I'm i'm dying to hear it the remastered version it's so. fucking great is it is it crazy for you johnny to like okay so how However long ago that album came out, to have like a resurgence of it, is it kind of like is it mind blowing or is it like how do you feel like 
it, it's coming like it's coming like uh, back around again and like for like even like some fresh ears and you know like people are like just like so excited about it how does that feel oh i mean it's a huge honor and it's so affirming and i mean it has brought me a lot of joy even in the last two years just knowing it was coming out and that people gave a hoot you know what i mean like that is great uh and oh I, just the fact that people even remember uh after all of these years um is very humbling and uh you know i i, I surprising that after all these years, there would be so many people going, oh, my God, I've been waiting for this for, you know, a quarter of a century. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like when I when I put it on, it's like hearing it for the first time all over again. And it's it's amazing. And it's it's just. It's fantastic. It was a huge like surprise when Nate did that and when Hey Pizza put out, I mean, I, I was sharing it all over Facebook how excited I was about it because I couldn't believe it. Well, I'm thrilled that thankfully we didn't choose subject matter that was stuck in a particular space and time. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't writing about Bush or something like that. Or sure. So thankfully, because those are mostly songs about either girls or drugs, um, they're almost timeless in a way. Like... You don't listen to that and go today and go, oh, this is so 1997, you know. Exactly. You're and so I'm right. Yeah. That. Yeah. That wasn't a conscious decision. Well, it wasn't really a conscious decision, you know. But I'm glad that it. it's still music I think people can enjoy today and not look at it as like a time capsule. You know what I mean? It's Absolutely. like bringing it's like bringing new light and like it's just like listen to it like for the first time. Is this was what was it's how I felt when I heard it? You know, it was it was it's great. And I'm super excited for for the release and super excited that they came out and super excited for you and it's it's fantastic, man. Now we just well, need to get we we need to get the rest of them repressed. Well, so many people are asking that, and I know that Nate went through, you know, I know that he's ready to take a rest from any Cletus. Probably Cletus is like a cuss word to him now, you know. After all <laughs> but like so many people are, that's sort of the next logical question is, well, is he going to do Protein Patch, right? Which is the album before that. Uh -huh. And sure. I mean, I certainly hope he does. That's the answer that I give to people. Um, and we would certainly be amenable to that because obviously he treats the material with great respect. But, you know, protein did actually come out on vinyl and you can find that, you know. The big difference sure. is that Horseplay never, because we broke up uh, right as we were starting the tour for that record, uh, the vinyl never got pressed. And then since we broke up, Ruvalo didn't press it. Mark, the guy that ran our label. Uh, sure. So, yeah, it'd be great if he would do the other two. But uh, he may think, well, the other two records exist. You had your chance to buy them in 1995, you know. 
if you really want to, you can go on Discogs and you can find those records if you gotta have them. Right. I would rather that it all gets remastered, it all gets treated with the beautiful color that he did, and everybody gets a chance to buy them again. I, that would be great for me. But yeah, uh, I don't know where Nate sits uh, mentally with all this, and I think he wants to take a Cletus vacation for at least a while. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Hopefully he's listening to this. I'm sorry. I was just saying, I hope he listens to this. Yeah. Well, he probably will. We're promoting his record, right? Yeah. Yep. He's one person I really want to get on the show. So, Johnny, if you can can, uh, talk to him for me, that'd be great. Oh, I'm sure. I've been trying to pressure him to to be on here. I've been trying. I've been talking to him all the time. Like, come on, man. He goes, I just can't find the time like please ask you all the time i'll send him a nudge he's an amenable yeah. guy and a he's nice... he's he's fan. he's a great person i love Dave. i've never met him in person we've we've only talked on the phone you know uh i don't think he ever got to see a show for example you know mm-hmm. a lot of these younger people of course weren't old enough to have seen us in the the, the day you know and um I really don't know how old he is. I'm not specifically saying that's him, but sure. I've never met him. You know, I just did his podcast and we've talked on the phone. And, you know, the guy obviously loves our little corner of the music world. And I do, too. I still do queer shows at my bar all the time. And I've toured a little with Jughead recently. And, I mean, <laughs> you know, so I don't know. Bless that guy's heart. Uh, he's yeah. he's keeping our memory alive at least you know yeah what's the name no, of the bar that you for that it's called the tin roof uh here in charleston i've been there for 12 years saturday last week we celebrated the 15th year anniversary of being a bar and venue in charleston uh, congrats yeah it was great and in my tenure there you know we've brought Seven Seconds and D.I. and Jawbox and Tim Barry and Mast Intruder and the Queers a million times. and mm-hmm. We're only a 150 capacity small club, you know. Right. So people come there because we, we have such a good staff and such a great venue and we're warm and welcoming and and then, of course, some of these bands come because they know me and they know I'm, I won't rip them off and that I I know where they're coming from as a touring band. And Right. So it's been a sort of a great mixture of this woman, Erin, who owns the bar, who just has a great attitude um, and wants to support all kinds of underground music. And then me, who's made a life out of underground music. And sure. I want to contribute that to my local community, you know? So if Iron Sheik is going to Fest, they call me up and go, we want to play the day before, you know? You're Johnny, Mm -hmm. look it up, and I do, you know? That's That's awesome. So do you spend a lot of time at your bar then, or are you kind of more like behind the scenes? I am there all the time. I'm there almost every night. I bartend there several nights a week. Last night I was off, but... H wanted to get out and maybe meet some people. So I <laughs> last night, all night on my night off. Just so oh, yeah, there you go. Just so H could have something 
somebody to talk to beside me. <laughs> Just any ear to listen, right? <laughs> Anybody except for me. Two days of HR is a lot, but two days of me is a lot too. <laughs> That's, cool. That's somebody I'd love to get on the show is HR. He's a super interesting guy. Yeah, but I'll tell you, man, like the man is not built for podcasts. Like he will answer a question or something and then five minutes of silence. And he will yeah. look at you like he's waiting for you to say something. And if you don't, <laughs> he will just wait. You know? uh, that doesn't sound like a very good time, Nick. <laughs> no, There's a I reason think... that H isn't on any podcast. <laughs> and part uh, of it is I've, that I've just... seen some interviews. Yeah, I mean, he just doesn't care about keeping the, you know, a podcast or a radio interview. It's like you got to keep it going, no dead air. Yeah. But yeah, that's 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 definitely hard. But daily conversation with HR involves two scoops of dead air, you know. <laughs> <laughs> two scoops. Oh, that's great. So you're never going to get him, and you don't want him. Okay. Well, I will. I <laughs> Honestly, will. you heard it here that first. <laughs> yeah, good to go. <laughs> Uh, Johnny, if you have anything you wanna you wanna say or plug or anything, please feel free to. No, I mean I guess the only thing we're plugging is you know that Horseplay's re-released on Hey Pizza Records. Um, they have three vinyl color variants, one of which is a Johnny Puke color. <laughs> which yeah, is, I love that. That's awesome. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I think is interesting. Um, also, if you want to get the music and you just want to get it on the cheap, uh, even cheaper than buying it off of our Bandcamp, Hey Pizza has horseplay uh, CDs for five bucks a whack. Nice. So if you really want to get the music in some sort of physical format and vinyl isn't your thing or maybe it's a little price prohibitive, five bucks will get you the the original CD that uh, Nate is also selling from his website. Yeah, that's crazy awesome. to see. Is it crazy to see before before we and to see like your catalog on like digital download, like on the internet? Like, um, well, it's, it's certainly nothing I mean, we we expected because we had no concept of. You know, we didn't even have a website. Uh, the last two years we were a band, there was such thing as a website, but not really the first three years. Um, mm-hmm. So the odd, the idea of a digital download or the idea of iTunes or that sort of thing never even occurred to us and didn't exist when we did, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, if it's a thing that wasn't invented yet, it's a thing you certainly don't think about, you know? That's, that's her. I, yeah, it's valid. I'm sorry. That's a dumb question on my part. <laughs> Good job. I didn't Scott. mean it that way. I no, didn't mean I, it that way. I just no, I know. You're right, though. I could never have conceived of. It's like asking a train conductor if if he would imagine flying to places, and you're like, nah, well, I mean, when I was driving the train, there wasn't airplanes. Chances <laughs> 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 have wings. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Yeah, that's valid. Very valid point. <laughs> But Johnny, thank you so much for hanging out with us tonight. Uh, it was an honor, seriously. Uh, 
I hope you had fun. Uh, it was great just to listen to your stories and just to hear your voice was was an honor. So thank you. Well, thank you guys for having me. I uh, I certainly appreciate it. It's it's great to talk to people who appreciate the music, and I'm I'm just so thrilled every day that people do uh, remember and still have an appetite to uh, digest what we put out. You know. No, nobody makes music for nobody, you know. You yeah, make music to be true. listened to, and when you're 26, you can't imagine that, oh, my God, people will be listening to this and talking about it when you're 50, you know. Mm, absolutely. And here I am at 50, and I'm honored and overwhelmed at uh, uh, all of the people that still hold it in their hearts right absolutely absolutely i definitely do same same i mean nick speaks to both of us when he said that but yeah i i i love your music and that album in particular big just sticks with me and uh it'll be listened again and again and again and um if you ever want to come back i mean there's there's an open seat for you anytime bud Oh, I mean, all I need to do is be sort of prodded, and there's you just have to bring them out of me. But I've got stories, you know. Well, we would we would love to have a part two for sure. Yeah, well, we want to thank Johnny so much for hanging out with us tonight. That was a real honor. Um, And please, if you haven't got the record, get it. It's one of the best. It's so good, and uh, it was a it was just I don't humbling to talk to the man i don't know what else to say it's it was Absolutely. it's been a real pleasure and listeners thank you uh for the hanging out with us and listening to johnny um we, we hope you have a great week and uh, we'll see you next week with something different good night everyone yeah good night hey friends thanks again for listening to tonight's episode with johnny pew from cletus we are going to end tonight's episode with a track off of horseplay leads a tragedy called somewhere down the road It's a great track, and if you haven't, please pick up the CD or the vinyl. It's fantastic, a great album, and Johnny was such a joy to talk to. And thank you all again. Have a great week. Bye.